everyone, I'm Elena and this is Tension Opposites. And I don't have an intro quite yet, but I would like the public to know that I think I have a very sexy voice today. Because I have a cold, which in year three of the pandemic, you know, I'm isolating like everybody is, because <laughs> what else can you do right now? Waiting to see if I have COVID or not. Not today, but likely, very likely. So in the meantime, I literally have no excuse, no excuse to not be doing episode number eight, part three of our Erasmus series, to talk about our second semester in Paris after the first one didn't really go as planned. We left off with me going back home for the holidays and realizing that at the end of the day, I literally had nothing to tell because I had not been doing anything. I think when I went back home, I was so tired that it allowed me to leave certain expectations and letting go of certain preconceived judgment that I had towards the people that were around me. I didn't even give a chance to want to meet anyone. I didn't think that I wanted to meet anyone. I just came in very judgy and thinking, oh, Erasmus students, I'm not interested. I want to be friends with French people. And then not taking into account the fact that French people just were not interested in being friends with me. A turning point that helped me. And when I left, I left for New Year's actually. And it was the first time that I was doing something with people that I didn't know. So basically, none of my close, close friends were in Paris for New Year's. I had an exam that I had to do in January. But there was this girl, which is the girl that I used to live with in the first apartment, the one of the crazy landlady, that was still there. We were in contact and she ended up hosting the New Year's party. So it was a bit of a like full circle moment. I was celebrating New Year's in the apartment that I lived in. That's what I had imagined. I had imagined living with her. I had imagined hosting parties. And it was weird to see that from the outside. Like I was invited in my own house. And there were these students that I knew. There were all people that used to go to my university. But I didn't know them know them I knew of them some were probably closer to Otto Otto wasn't there so it was also like the first time that I was venturing a social event I think without him I'm pretty sure so that also was very weird it was seeing things in a very different way and I was talking to this girl another girl who was from my same home country which of course being that I was avoiding pretty much all of them because I didn't want to be speaking that language I wanted to be with French people and all that stuff. But I liked her. She was really, really sweet. I was telling her how I was feeling and how I felt that the first semester kind of slipped away without me realizing and how I wanted to do it differently. And she was about to leave soon. And she told me, like, she, she tried to make the most out of it, but five months just isn't enough. And I think in hindsight is really true. Having two semesters really allowed me to do part two with a specific knowledge without, you know, having new bureaucratic problems or exam problems or whatever thrown at me and being able to see it all more clearly in a more settled way, especially. And she was saying that she wished that she had had more time to do it. And probably the reason why I didn't feel that pressure is that I did have more time. So I just need to focus on making the most of the second part. And at the party, there was another girl, Fabi, that... I knew her, but I didn't really know her that well. Like, she was friends of Otto. Um, didn't really think much of it. <laughs> Again, like, I, 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 don't re- I don't really remember doing anything with anyone the first semester. And we were talking, and I was telling her a bit of my concerns, 
by that time we had started drinking a lot as well. And I have this video of basically telling the world or telling my phone that uh, she had promised that she would be in charge of me. So she would take me under her wing and she would start showing me around and going out because she had been partying and she had been living it up the way that you're supposed to. And so I have this video where I make her promise that. And so that was very funny. And uh, all in all, we had a really good night. It was a very normal, chill party, but it really brought me that spirit of, okay, okay, now I, I, I feel engaged. I feel like I want to do stuff. And three days later, I had my last exam of the first semester. And that also felt very cathartic, not for the exam itself. I knew that I had failed one already and I had to find a way to make up for that. But when I left that day from the exam, I realized that I had a good 15 days before second semester started to enjoy Paris and to go around and visit. And I had no exams because I had done all of them. And walking out that day and just looking up at the sky and realizing that I was looking up for the first time. It sounds very corny, I know. But it really did feel like that. It made me realize that up until that point, I was so lost into the stresses and the anxieties of me that I really didn't have a moment to take in the place that I was living in. I was living in the fifth quarter, which is like one of the best ones in Paris, in my opinion. It's like my favorite. And I never really took the time to walk out of the residence and look around and take in everything, the scenery around me, the buildings. Everything was always done with all this like hurry, hurry, hurry pace. And so it's really made me happy to look up and have that moment of stillness and see like, oh, okay, so what do I do now? Because I had nothing that was going to worry me at that point. I had an apartment. I had done my exams. I literally had a clean slate for 15 days. I had those 15 days that I did not have in the first semester in hindsight, because the first semester... I literally arrived like two, three days before it started. The only thing missing was friends. Otto wasn't back yet. And I didn't really have any friends to go out with. So, true to her promise, Fabi told me that we should organize to go out. And the other girl, she was about to go home, the one who was doing only one semester. And with the excuse, she invited me and she invited Fabi and Greta also had come back. It was nice. It was really nice. I remember we went out for drinks, but we didn't really know each other all that well. So I had this one girl with whom I had shared a very vulnerable moment and a very, you know, the hardship of studying Arabic and having all these exams and just feeling limited in the time that we had spent and the academic pressure that was taking so much stress out of our day and we didn't really get to enjoy the stuff and then on the other hand there was there was this other girl that I sort of clicked with but I didn't know her that well and now you know randomly one night at New Year she had promised to make me enjoy things more but I didn't know if she was going to actually do it we're meeting all together for this occasion for this other girl who's leaving and we I actually really, really had a good time and we were talking about how now we had free time to enjoy and to actually see the city and we started making a list of things that we wanted to see that everyone had already seen and we didn't and just this excitement starting to build up so basically this other girl leaves but she had told us that a cool thing that we could do cheaply because at the same time we were all like 20 21 year olds in the city that is so expensive is that if you go to the opera um opera garnier which is one of the most famous ones if you go in the afternoon you can buy cheaper tickets 
they can sit you at like a shitty place, you know, maybe like you're covered or it's not, you can't see it well, but you get to see a show for like 11 euros. So we decided, okay, yeah, that could be a good idea. We could meet next week and we tried to organize. We can go in the morning, buy the tickets, and then we can meet in the evening. So that's what we did. But it was just weird because it was me, Greta and Fabi, and I didn't really know them well. So I remember the awkwardness, I think, of that morning where we kind of knew each other. We had seen each other in passing. Otto obviously was a thing connecting everyone because he knew everyone, but we didn't really know each other that much. And so we met just to buy the tickets. I remember like I was with my glasses, everyone was like dressed like shit. We were very, very chill because we just wanted to buy the tickets and leave. And then when we went in, they told us that the show was actually a matinee. So we ended up watching the show there and then dressed horribly at the opera. And it was really nice. And we, I don't know, it was just something interesting. It was a cultural thing. One of the many cultural things that I wanted to do, but with people that really know that, it, I don't know, it, the randomness of it felt very Erasmus-like. And then one thing led to the other, and we ended up spending the entire day together. So when we went out, then we went out for lunch, and then we walked around, and then we went out for dinner. I remember we were at Rue Muftar, which is, I think, next to the university, one of the many places to sit outside. And in the span of one day, we had bonded so much. We ended up talking about very intimate things, and we just had a really, really, really cool day. But I didn't expect a friendship start so early on. So that was a big moment, and that was even before, you know, second semester started. So it was weird how fast a connection can consolidate once you are in the right place to receive it, in a sense. These people had been there the entire time. We had spent a semester together. We had seen each other on multiple occasions. We had gone to parties. Like, we knew of each other. But I definitely wasn't in a space where I even wanted to open myself to meet new people. And then, in the span of one day, like, this thing felt so deep. (laughs) Very, very quickly. And I remember it, and it was a really, really cool moment. Because that, for sure, did not happen in the States. In the States, everybody had their own life, so you were the one that had to like create that bond. Whereas here, everyone was pretty much in the same situation, and I was starting to see the beauty of what an Erasmus is. The bubble that is created, but like the good bubble that is created, because you have other people that are sharing the same thing that you're going through, that can empathize with what you're going through, but at the same time, you have the liberty to experiment. So from there, we just kept meeting up, and we kept visiting things. 15 days really, really, really went by. <laughs> and in the meantime, Otto also had come back. And then another guy who was living in their residence was leaving that we had more or less gotten like close with. All these events, like bonding moments and goodbyes and big be- new beginnings, everything was like meshed together. And I remember before this other guy went away, there was Fabi's birthday that she did at her house. And it was this closer group of friends. And it was the first time that I went to a party and I was thinking, oh, okay, so I am part of this close group of friends now. I was noticing all these things. It makes me feel like such a loser, to be honest. But it was all these like first moments, which probably would have happened more naturally in the first semester, but I just completely overlooked everything. It started to get finally into that mood. The second semester started. And I had decided that at the point I wanted to make friends with the people who were in my class. Because there were a lot of people from my home country that had moved there. 
and they were doing not an Erasmus, they had actually moved to Paris and they were enrolled in university and they were doing their entire bachelor's there. But it was still a section of people that came from my home country that spoke the same language. It's still, to me, I had still categorized them just as much as the people from my own country that do an Erasmus. I just didn't want to be stuck in that because to me, it made no sense and it still doesn't to this day to close myself off to a group of people that come from my own experience when the whole point is to be in contact with new cultures and all that shit. So I had a different vibe to that. I think I also felt that I had more time because I knew how the semester worked and I knew where I had to start studying really hard for exams, but it definitely that wasn't the moment. Like We had just started the semester. Slowly I started creating groups, plural, of friends. Erasmus and the people that were in university, although they were necessarily French. I had a couple of French friends, but still, it's, it, I don't know, it just never really clicked. <laughs> there's no build-up, there's no like waiting for the end of the episode to tell you that. It really never really developed. I have gone to Paris since, and when I go back, I meet up with some of them, and it's always a good time, but I don't know, it just never really developed. January was just a really, really cool month. I remember that. And we did an Erasmus trip and they told me about it. And it ended up being with this closer group of friends. And we ended up going to Normandy. So basically the weekend was to see Mont Saint-Michel. It was a weekend trip. And the whole bus ride to get there. It felt like being in, in school again. Sleeping over, finding a hotel, going out to a club. Seeing Mont Saint-Michel, which is so cool. There were a lot of people that were from university that had gone on that trip as well that I had gotten a bit closer with. It felt like everything was starting to be in a specific path. But at the same time, I had to get ready because I was going to go back home again. At that point, I had basically passed already some exams for the second year of Arabic without having passed the exam for the first year of Arabic. So basically, I was going to go back home to do the exam session. So in the meantime, it's not like I wasn't studying. I still had shit to do, but... I don't even remember that. I don't even remember the stress around studying it because I had really tried to do everything that I could have done. I ended up leaving in February to do this exam. I think the most anxiety I've ever felt for an exam in my life, Arabic is just... Oof. Boy, it is complicated. It was weird also to go back home already after such a short amount of time. I do this exam. Miraculously, I pass. I'm so excited. But... I just have this specific memory of wanting to celebrate after something that had taken so much stress out of me. The last six months of my life were all around this exam that was horrible. And I finally passed it and I'm so excited that I finally passed it. No one was available. No one was seeing that I was going to be leaving soon. And all I could think very egoistically was, seriously, like I'm leaving what, in like two days and nobody's going to celebrate with me? No one's going to be with me? I remember just the stress thinking people should want to celebrate with me and no one is here for me like to celebrate this big milestone, something I had been working so hard on. I just remembered this, all these negative feelings. It was a bad week. It was a bad weekend. Like, you, you know, things where nothing really goes and works. Everything feels stuck and you feel like you're going after people and people are not really responding back. It was a lot of that, which... It was weird because it was the first time that I had left with a certain level of resentment 
Whereas like a couple of months before, I was so happy. While I was miserable in Paris, I was so happy because I was thinking, I have such amazing friends back home. Why did I even leave? I'm so happy here. So everything felt a bit distorted. And I remember leaving thinking, okay, I am not going to come back before the end of this Erasmus. I don't want to see anyone anymore. I want to focus on my experience. The fact that I was always thinking about the great friends that I have back home was keeping me back from wanting to meet new people there. But I remember leaving with an, in, an, in an angered state. I didn't leave with this like excitement. It was more like, ah, I will show them sort of thing. So I leave completely disappearing, melting into my life in Paris. I remember not really keeping in touch as much as I used to with my friends and family before. But I think it was helpful. I, I needed that because my head was a bit somewhere else. And it was so weird for me to think that I had left because there was this necessity to leave. But then at the same time, once I went to this new destination, things were good at home. And things were changing a lot also back home. My group of friends, people were fighting, people were, you know, starting relationships. It's those years of your life where things are changing radically, where you start, where you're basically still with a mentality of high school, and then slowly you're starting to outgrow people. You're starting to realize who you really like and who you want to be in contact with. Obviously, the first year of university, you're still going to be in contact with people from your high school because those are who are your friends by then. But I think the second year is more monumental because you've had enough time to be detached from your friends, especially then in a context in which on top of that, you also leave to go to another place. But people were starting to outgrow each other, which is the natural, absolutely natural and regular phase of life. And friendship groups were starting to break off without the excuse of having like a school group. It just didn't have any reason to survive. Once I started living away, I started to see these bonds, not with me specifically, but within the context of a group, I started to see them disintegrating. And that was very unsettling for me because I had no power over that. I saw like friendship groups starting to break up and I didn't know what was going on because I had no part in that. But at the same time, I wasn't even keeping enough in contact with them because I was living my life over there. Everything felt very confusing and it gave me all the more reason to want to go away from that and to not want to witness something that I couldn't control because I wasn't there and I wasn't going to be there for another four months, there really was no reason for me to have that attachment. Sounds so dramatic, but, you know, it was. For me, at the time, that was, like, the utmost dramatic part, so... But it allowed me to live this new friendship phase very well. It allowed me to live this new Erasmus phase also differently. I had finally passed that exam, which means that everything I was doing, like, nothing was blocked, and I was actually doing... It and I was on a good track. I had studied and I knew sufficiently little of Arabic to be able to pass that exam. And it's so curious that I ended up going to Paris because in Paris there's one one of the biggest Arab communities. And it was a very big moment for me to see that and to witness that and to actually have Arab friends, which I started to meet through the classes because, as I said, I was in very specific departments where there were a lot of Arab-speaking people. They were very proficient in speaking the dialects, but they didn't really know the basics of modern standard Arabic. All the teachers that were my teachers were Arabs, and there were so many important places that were created by the Arab community. The mosque was five minutes from my university, and we used to go there very often. 
it really allowed me to immerse myself into a culture in a way that I couldn't have done back home. And it was such a gift of a cosmopolitan city, which was full of all these different cultures that interlinked and they came in together. But also at the same time, it was a good confrontation with reality and seeing how they were treated and what the situation was at the time. As I had said in the first episode pertaining to the series, I sat next to an Arab guy on my flight to Paris and I was scared that there was going to be an attack on my plane. And I don't say that lightly, but that was the state of affairs at the time that I was there. It was not a light, jolly moment to be in Paris. There had been multiple terrorist attacks in Paris specifically and all over France. It was the age of terror. I used to go to university where security guards would ask for my ID card of the university. Every time we used to go to a closed space, they would inspect our bags. It's weird to think about it now, but it was like that. And there was an attempted attack at Notre Dame, which was so close to where I was living. At the time, it was so normalized to have that level of terror, to have that level of discrimination also towards Arabs, where it didn't come from me, but it was implanted into my head. And it was so weird. So I had this ambivalence of studying a language completely by chance. Like there was no criteria as to why I actually wanted to study Arabic. Getting to see with my own eyes what they have created, things that were pertaining to their history, to their identity, to their community. And at the same time, on the other hand, I had this level of fear of not knowing, of having prejudice towards an Arab that would walk down the street. And it's all fucked up in the grand scheme of things, but then at the same time, it's also obvious that that would have been the situation if they kept putting on this level of terror of what could be happening and what is the repercussions and attacks that were happening. And there's this time, this is when it kind of culminated for me. I was at Otto's house and we wanted to go to KFC and we wanted to eat something. And at a certain point, my mom calls me and I start receiving texts and people are saying, are you, oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? Uh, what happened? And we had no clue what was going on. And then we, I think we looked up on the internet and there was uh, an attack that was happening. I can't remember specifically what had happened. I think in the time that I was there, two terrorist attacks had happened. And at this point, it was the trend, quote unquote, was attacks towards the police. So I think it was something about like either shooting or stabbing uh, like a police officer in Champs-Élysées, something like that. And then there was this other time in Notre Dame, which was like towards the summer. It was a culmination of such a level of like tension and tr- and stress around oh my god, could I possibly be involved in a terrorist attack in my time in Paris? Which was one of the reasons why people would tell me, are you sure you want to go to Paris? Like, it was a very, very stressful moment that it went out of our collective consciousness. But it was deeply embedded in in the psyche, whether someone wanted to admit it or not. I just remember me and Otto laughing and thinking, oh god, <laughs> oof, we missed that one. And writing on Facebook that we were okay, that nothing happened. We had been expecting something similar to happen for so long that when it actually happened, it it felt surreal. And I remember not going home that night. I slept in like Greta's room. And that was, yeah, that was our first terrorist attack that we survived. One of two. 
But that's a component that people don't really talk about. And that's just a very fucked up thing, if you think about it. To think that in my 20s, that was a part of my life that we just took for granted, that there were terrorist attacks that were happening, that also brought to a great discrimination towards a community, a great sense of fear. And I have been to Arab countries since, and still, there's a very different perception of Arabs in Europe compared to Arabs when I go to Arab countries. And that is also messed up. I, I don't know. Definitely... I have planned an episode on this, um, but that was the first time that I noticed that. We had police and military walking up and down the street all the time, and that was just part of our day-to-day life. It's like we didn't even notice. So it's weird to think about that now. But it really, really opened my eyes, and it opened this curiosity of not wanting to only understand myself and the Western experience, but I wanted to understand something that was a bit deeper, that was so hard to access, like the Arab world, the Arabic language, and it really, to me, was a very formative moment. I don't know if I would have continued with Arabic had I not had that full immersion which was possible only thanks to living in such a big, you know, cosmopolitan city. And also I got to meet some students that were in my university, which were refugees. I had never even met refugees before. But it was the first time that I was being confronted with different realities, with the kind of public system, um, also the level of involvement that students have in the university was completely different compared to what I feel that we have back home. In my day-to-day experience in university, we weren't very involved socially, whereas Sorbonne Nouvelle that year had so many protests that were made by students. There was such a political involvement, an involvement in social issues. It really, to me, felt like a reflection of what the idea of the innate French Revolution (laughs) identity comes from. Everything is done with this sort of uh, fervor. Fervor? Is that a word? Everything is done with that sort of grit and spirit and wanting to stand up for what they think is right. And I was really genuinely surprised that there was that level of social and political involvement. There were elections that were going on that year and I could have stopped anyone in the streets, anyone of my age and at that time and still to this day, I'm an embarrassingly ignorant about uh, politics, for instance, from my home country But I could have stopped anyone of my age or lower, anyone who was going to university and asking them, okay, what are the main ideas of X, Y, and Z politicians who are running for president or whatever? And they would be able to tell me that. Everyone had a clear idea. Everyone had that level of confidence, which was so empowering. And it was really refreshing. Like you felt like you wanted to be part of that. You felt like you wanted to be involved. I remember after that, I actually ended up writing my thesis about the French revolutions, the university revolutions of 1968, which did not start in Paris, actually. But the myth which revolves around the revolutions of 1968 is so deeply entrenched with what the French culture is and what the Parisian culture is, because that's what remains in our collective. They are so interlinked. And we see that in so many instances. And I got to see that and see that level, that high level of engagement and involvement from young people was really interesting to me. And you could see that also in the way that they carried out the political campaigns in a way that I don't think that they do in other other countries in Europe. Seeing that young people are the key, that they are the ones that you want to get involved, that you want to get engaged. It just 
brought this different level of what it meant to be a university student, which I think back home to me was always a given. It was nothing that made me feel privileged or different. Whereas I don't know if this is specifically being a university student or being in France or being in Paris, but you had this level of empowerment that felt like you were being part of an intellectual community, which is incredible. And it's it, that's how you're supposed to feel. You have the privilege to access this education. It felt like I was seeing for the first time what it really meant to be a university student and to do that in a different city and to do that within Erasmus context. I feel like everything meshed together so beautifully and it also made me realize one one other thing of the Erasmus culture, which is not only, you know, the fact that you're living in your bubble, the fact that you can truly be yourself, you can experiment, you have this group of people, you're always like involved in everything because you can do whatever you want it made me also realize the privilege of being european and to have the possibility to do this experience and to go to other cities and to get to meet people from other cultures so not only i was meeting the french culture but i was meeting in my in specific instance i was meeting the arab culture i was meeting people from different countries that were doing the erasmus as well everything that people take for granted and now I look back on that experience and I think wow to have had that level of interaction of confrontation with different environments at such a young age is a completely different experience it does change you in a way and I've seen that being a very defining moment into the character and to the career prospects of many people that are close to me it does have an effect on you thinking, okay, so people from this country do it this way, people from that country do it that way, but we are all Europeans and we all have the possibility to access this program which allows us to do something that brings a sort of togetherness. I felt united and I felt close to other nationalities from a different perspective. I thought it was pretty cool. I I had never experienced that before, obviously when I was in the States. Uh, there was no concept of being European. It was just a concept of being part of something that I had grown up with, but it felt so far away. Whereas this time I was like, wow, I'm in Europe and I get to see this and I get to live this and I get to be in contact with all of this. Another really, really, really cool thing of being in Europe was the fact that I actually managed to have people visit me. (laughs) And that was such a cool thing. The only positive I remember from my trip back home in February besides obviously passing the exam is that my best friend she gave me a gift and the gift was her um she she made me like open this piece of paper I'm pretty sure I still have it at home before I left when she came to say goodbye and it was a flight ticket and she was coming to visit me in Paris in March and I remember feeling so excited because I didn't have that opportunity before And so it was so cool that I actually had my best friend that was coming to visit me. I didn't have a family to introduce her to. I was introducing her to my adult life. At the end of the day, I was living on my own. I had no curfew. I could go home whenever I wanted. I was living an adult life. And it finally came at a point where it was reflecting in all aspects of my life. So the independence wasn't only the sheer fact of living somewhere, but I was living also, finally, the Erasmus experience. And I had this small community of people, and then I had a bigger one if I wanted to access that. 
it just came at a perfect time. In the meantime, I was starting to get closer with these girls that were also from my home country, but they had moved there permanently. And so that week, she got to meet people from my Erasmus, people from back home, even the fact that I was taking her around and I was showing her some stuff that I already knew or places that I had already been to eat or experimenting new things with her. It felt so empowering because when you get to see it from the outside perspective, when you're showing a place to someone, they're seeing a reflection and they're seeing an extension of an experience that you're getting to live at that point in time. Seeing it from the outside, it was like, oh, wow, look what I have done up until this point. From March onwards, from when I started to get into this routine of actually having a close group of friends to go out with and trying to go out with people from the residence and having a list. I remember I had this very cheesy bucket list of things that I wanted to visit. I'm pretty sure I have a picture of it. I will post it somewhere. I was writing down restaurants that I wanted to go to. I was trying new things. There were so many things to visit in Paris. One thing that I love is that every quarter has history to it, has a different identity to it. There's always something to learn. There's always something to try. I was getting to see all of that. And then before I knew it, I was ready at the partiel. So I was ready at the, like, the exams of the first semester. But the academic part wasn't bothering me as much. And before I knew it, it was Easter and I got to spend Easter with my friends. But then also my mom and my sister came and they also stayed at my place. And I was also arranging like things to visit. And they could see me speaking French and they never saw me speaking French. It, it's weird. It's weird having that, seeing them seeing you differently for a first time. The things that I have lived or, or visited, even though I had that focus, even though at a certain point I was very determined to see as much as I could see, to go to all the restaurants that I could possibly go because I actually had people to go with. and um, It was enjoyable for sure, but by far the biggest indication of me actually enjoying it was me not thinking that much about it. Everything just started getting a rhythm that was so out of myself and out of my control and it just went with a flow and you have that very specific energy in a sense. And I'm very grateful for that. I'm grateful that I kind of don't remember what went on from there onwards because I know that that is a symptom of a routine that had been created. I had started enjoying the 20-minute walk that I had from my residence going to the university. I had the choco suisse and coffee that I would have at the same cafeteria in the university with Greta. I would have the same joke and banter and people to sit next to in class. I had the dinners at Otto's house. I had the parties with everyone of the group and <laughs> the excitement that, that Fabi had to do new things and to try new stuff and to go to different places. I had all these things that were lining up perfectly in my day-to-day -day life that didn't make me think and reflect too much upon the experience. I was just living it. There were people that were doing it and there were people that were encouraging me to try stuff and I was just doing it and that's it. But I think the thing that I'm grateful for the most is the fact that I found this group of people and to this day, I don't know what I did to deserve this group of friends. And I don't say it in any one-off way. I definitely think I'm deserving of friends, but at that point in time, I barely had the strength to get my shit together and to manage to go with my day-to-day. -day. And then on top of that, I was trying to make friends. I was trying to go to new places. I was trying to... Um, put together an experience 
But the biggest thing and the biggest relief for me is that for some reason that I still cannot fully understand, I came across this group of people that just included me in everything. I think that is the epitome of what the Erasmus is. You are always included. You are always accepted. You are always part of something because being an Erasmus student is being inherently part of something. Whether you want to be in it or not, then you can choose how much or how little. You have this system, you have this support system, which you can rely on whenever you feel like. You have this bubble, you have this group, you have this sense of no judgment. It's this experimental phase in which you can allow to be whatever version of yourself you want to be. If you want it, it's there. And I never had that just blind support system for no reason. I had come across this group of people which was so nice to me, which included me, which included a guy that he could have easily like ditched me <laughs> after the first week. I definitely wasn't giving any reason to anyone to want to be friends with me. I've had this conversation since. I remember also having it recently with Fabi. And I remember her telling me, you know, you weren't necessarily a negative person at all. It just felt that you were stuck, that you were you were not being able to just let go and be more easy. You didn't have that energy that attracted that around you. Because I remember feeling also very frustrated because I was thinking, I mean, I'm in Erasmus. I need to meet someone. I need to meet a guy. I need to meet a guy. I need to meet a guy. And um, it wasn't happening. And in the meantime, as my friendship groups were, were breaking up at home, a lot of couples were forming. <laughs> like in the span of four months, like three of my friends got into relationships. And that also made me feel very insecure and very uncomfortable because I was the one that was abroad. Whereas they were home and all these new things were starting and I should be the one, you know, having a new exciting uh, adventure with someone. But I was so blocked. Um, to me, I would say vibrationally, energetically, you know, it's a very spiritual thing, but I really do believe it. I wasn't giving off any good energy for someone to want to meet me because I wasn't opening up, nor was I seeking out someone to open up. Like, I just wasn't at that level yet. And I remember Fabi had put it in that sense. She said, I've seen you interact with people. You're not necessarily negative at all, but you can see that you have a very close up energy where someone doesn't feel maybe that they want to interact with you in that sense. And she said it in such a genuine way that I remember that that had really had an effect on me because that comment would have come across to me as a really big criticism. And in that sense, it didn't for the first time because I understood where she was coming from. And I also was so appreciative of the level of deep understanding that I was managing to have with this group of people that I barely even knew. Something, something about this Erasmus thing bonds you at a deeper level that you cannot quite comprehend. But it's this like subconscious intrinsic thing of we're all in the same boat together. We're all in this together. We're all doing the same thing. If you want it, a group will manifest to you and you can live it with, you know, as superficially or as deeply as you want. But there is going to be that support system. And so it really resonated with me, that interpretation that she had. And in hindsight, she was absolutely right. There was no negativity around me. Like I was still at a point where my energy was so closed off. I was so closed off. And I think it was more for expectations that I had of myself at that point. I was thinking, okay, 
I was on a certain timeline and by that time I would have and I should have been able to have done X, Y, and Z. I should be able to be this level of independence, do this amount of partying, having these kind of relationships. And this was not an energy that I was attracting because I wasn't open enough to attract that. But in the meantime, what I hadn't realized is that I had been able to attract a group of genuinely good-hearted people that they're still the people that I insult the most to this day. 80% of the conversations and interactions that we have with each other, me, Otto, Fabi, Greta, we literally are all the time teasing each other and just saying shit things about each other. And then at the same time, we have the deepest conversations. Like We've been through everything together. We have a bond that was created on such an important base that even if we are objectively on the opposite sides of the spectrum, we could not be, character-wise, we could not be further away from each other as possible. We've managed to create this relationship and we've managed to create this bond that has, you know, it has stayed and has permeated. And to this day, after all these years, we're still part of that. I have never come across that since then. In any experience that I've done since then, the relationships that I've created and the bonds that I've created are really important bonds, but there were people who are more similar to me. And in this sense, in this experience, I was more alone than anything. And it felt really like a sense of camaraderie. Like the people that happened to be in this experience with me, they just did not let me go. (laughs) And to me, that was so important. And I, I bring it up to them all the time where I don't realize why they didn't let me go. But they didn't. They just never gave up on me. And that that made all the difference. To me, the most important part of this Erasmus, and the thing that I will remember the most, is that, is that thanks to something outside of me, thanks to the people that happened to be in my life, in that life, at that point in time, I was able to enjoy and make the most out of it and let myself go a little. They were people who insulted me, (laughs) who pushed me, who celebrated me, who took care of me when I needed. And that, to me, is the biggest representation of what Erasmus experience is. I am very close to them individually as well, but it's as a group that we have created something and that we have excelled and that everything that was part of that experience was part of that. I remember also there was this time around uh, Greta's birthday that she wanted to do a weekend in uh, Bretagne. Just a road trip. And I remember her and Fabi, they were so excited about it and they wanted to do this thing. And I just was so unsure. I was like, oh God, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't really know them that well. And it would be like three days, but what we talk about? I remember all these things that were coming through my head. And it's just so funny because like, whether I wanted it or not, me saying no wasn't even an option. It's like, no, no, you're coming. It's not, it's not a conversation. This is happening. I don't even remember now why I didn't want that. I felt like maybe a bit more insecure. They were closer in age and I was thinking, okay, they're closer with one another than more than I am. And I don't know. I just, I just felt, felt very off. Also, one really good thing about our friendship is the just sheer brutal honesty that we have with one another. And case in point, at that point, Otto said, fuck no, I am not coming. I, you guys are hysterical. I'm not going to spend a weekend with you guys. You would drive me crazy. And he would just like leave like that. There was so much banter and there was so much teasing. There was so much, you know, like partying and serious conversations. Everything was really meshed up together perfectly. And for that weekend, it was like, love you girls. There's no fucking way I'm going to be coming. 
but they knew till what point they could push with someone and then they knew that with me like I was coming or I was coming there was no there was no option b and we ended up having such an amazing trip it was so much fun and it was so independent like it was what you would imagine someone you know in your 20s you're doing a road trip so we got a car from Paris we drove to Britain I think the average age of the people there was eight years old I'm not even kidding and we went there for her birthday and we got to visit all these things and we got to eat all these restaurants and every night we were sleeping in a different place but they were all little towns in Britain and it was so nice and it was all these things that were being opened up to me but where I wasn't doing anything to make that happen. That didn't really happen in the States. Like in the States, I was actively pushing and pursuing and seeing what was going on. And there were trips and obviously opportunities had been presented to me, but I was very much into making it happen. Instead, in Paris, it felt like I just felt very closed off. I felt like I, I didn't really have the strength or the interest or I didn't really know how to go about things because I was being confronted with so many people that were doing it so much better than me, academically, um, socially, in all aspects, I feel like everyone was well-versed. And I felt very, very lost at that point in time. And for some reason, I come across this group of people that just forced me to get out of my shell and to do things that I wouldn't have done normally. Besides, you know, then me on the side doing my stuff and creating friendships with the people from university. I've met amazing people there's one girl that I go every year to visit and when I go I go to her house and you know in the meantime I was also creating my individual friendships outside of that so everything was just interlinked in such a beautiful way and that trip was a phenomenal trip because it was a first adult independent trip Fabi was driving Greta was reading the tour guide from one place to the other, she would be reading up the history. So then when we would get to a place, she would be talking and she would explain, you know, what the historical context was. And I was a photographer. So I was taking all the videos. I was taking all the pictures. I have a lot of content to share on this. <laughs> so I'm very happy about that. Before we knew it, university had finished very quickly. The exams had gone pretty well. By the end of the second semester, I had done 21 exams. And all these realizations were coming and everything was coming to a close. And I didn't know how I felt about going back home. I felt very overwhelmed. People were starting to leave fairly early on. And um, I was set to leave for the end of May. So this trip had happened on the 14th of May. And we were so close to the end where it was also time to leave, I have to say. Because one thing that I didn't realize it was how hot the residence was getting. There was no AC or a fan in my university residence. My room faced north, so the sun was just shining on my 14 square meter apartment. And that last, oh god, those last 15 days were absolute hell, broiling in that room. So I remember that was another excuse to never be in the house. I remember I used to close the blinds in the morning. I would leave the house at nine o'clock in the morning and I would come back at like nine o'clock at night. I would try to be outside of my apartment as much as possible to be able to avoid that level of heat, which was just unbearable. Um, so it was, it was time to leave, that's for sure. Like physically it was time to leave. And that was also an excuse to be out of the house and, and doing things as much as possible. The last month was pretty much focused on so many going away parties and 
the sun was i never seen the sun go down so late the sun used to go down at around 10 10 30 p.m and in the meantime everything was an excuse to party everything was excused you know for a go for a getaway uh for for memories that were being created essentially amidst all the amazing things that i've been talking about there's one aspect that has developed um in paris and that I still carry with me to this day. It's not an easy one, but I think it's very important to talk about it because I feel like very many people live with it as well. And up until the point, I've never experienced this. And now it's something that I that I live with, um, I cope with. It's not debilitating, but it has been a very unpleasant turning point. As I was saying, the last month, once I came back from the strip, was basically 15 days of non-stop going out and meeting people and moving things around. I was barely ever at home. I was enjoying it. I was definitely enjoying it to the fullest. But there was a lot of stress, definitely, that was around not having a second to myself, not really calming down. And I was still living on my own, which if you ask any 20-year-old who's living on their own, I don't think they're really having the healthiest lifestyle. So on top of drinking and going out and coming home late, I wasn't even eating that much. I wasn't sleeping a lot. There was a lot of things that had factored into me being physically stressed. And it was this one time that I can't really remember what the trigger to it was, that I just felt weird. I felt very, very bad in my apartment and I I felt I felt like my heart was beating out of my chest from a moment to the other. It was really, really weird. And I had a panic attack out of nowhere. I felt my heart was beating faster and faster and faster and faster. I was in the apartment um, on my own, obviously, because it's a 14 square meter, so I was living on my own. And it really terrified me because... There's a difference between a panic attack and an anxiety attack. A panic attack is, and this was the only time I ever experienced a panic attack, is literally the feeling that you don't know, it comes out of nowhere. And you have the feeling that you're, you're going to die, essentially. So my my heart was absolutely pounding. I remember a couple of days, no, that was a couple of days before I left, but I remember also my joints were hurting a lot. A lot of things were, were physically, I was ex overwhelmed physically and I didn't realize it because obviously I was on the holiday portion of it you know I wasn't really studying I wasn't stressed for exams it was a level of stress that I hadn't really experienced or maybe it was my body um, going through some stress that I had to that my brain had tried to put aside and now it was all coming down together I'm not sure what had led to that moment what I know is that I was in my room, I was feeling weird, at a certain point I hear my, I just feel my heart pounding out of my chest, I was incredibly terrified, and I called my mom, and thank god my mom answered, but I broke down crying, and I had a panic attack, and I'd never ever held, I just, I felt like my, I couldn't breathe well, and I remember going down, I had the pharmacy very close to my house, I don't remember what I asked her, but I asked her, I was like, oh, because I'm feeling this way, my heart is very is feeling very weird and I just remember this lady telling me well you know if anything happens the hospital is five minutes away <laughs> and just that made me feel so much worse <laughs> I again I, I can't really pinpoint what was the specific trigger I'm sure it was a mix of all of it 
but it just terrified me. And to me, the terrifying thought was something could have happened to me and I would have been alone. And I think that's like a trigger that I still carry with me to this day because since then, I have lived alone. I have lived alone through COVID, <laughs> for instance. Um, but since that day, anxiety has been a part of my life. And I never had it up until that point. I had anxiety that was um, uh, for like academic performance, I guess. It was always something to do with university. I was always like scared or anxious to do an exam. And I think that would have made me break down crying. But this level of like physical anxiety, um, I don't know if it could be called medical anxiety. I had never, ever, ever experienced it before. And it really messed me up and it really scared me because even, you know, after I went back home, that that sensation of like my heart pounding out of my chest, it kept going on for like a good week. And I remember telling my mom, I was like, I, I, when this happens, I feel like I'm going to die. And then I did like um, a heart exam and everything was okay. But it just happened. There was that moment of something triggered my body to the point of having this level of stress and bringing it out in such a violent way, which was probably a warning. And it was my body trying to tell me that I needed to rest and I needed to calm down. But to me, it just really shocked me and from there it really hasn't been the same and it's you know it's, it's a sad thing to think about but to me Paris was also that it was the beginning of that that kind of anxiety which has come into my life in stronger and uh, weaker waves and with Covid it was definitely come with stronger waves and it's a part of my life and um, I don't know I think it made me realize in that sense that I really didn't want to live alone it was a good experience. Like I wasn't really alone alone. I wasn't a university residence, but I wasn't really interacting with anyone because I had my bathroom. I didn't really have any reasons to interact with anyone, whether I liked it or not. I wanted it in the beginning and then it just didn't happen. But that day, it, I think it really traumatized me because I thought if something had happened to me in this moment, if I really had to go to the hospital, like I, I could have, something could have happened and I would have been alone and no one would have been here to help me. And I think... That is one recurrent fear that I have when I live abroad of not having someone I can rely on. And it really, yeah, it really stressed me and really scared me. And it really reminded me that I needed to rest. I needed to calm down. But I remember living those last days a bit with that in in the back of my head of thinking, okay, is this going to happen again? Because it was so terrifying that I, I didn't know how I could have prevented it, even if I wanted to. I remember buying some vitamins, um came violently and then it went away so I really didn't know what I had to do about it and I was so close to going home as well and I had so many things that I had to pack up and take care of there was still a lot of stress involved but I felt it was important to talk about this because when you have something that really like blocks you or cripples you it's weird and it's hard to find someone who can empathize especially when then you're thrown into an environment where you know usually being Erasmus students abroad, it's all about partying, it's all about talking about good things. You don't really feel you have a support system in that sense. Uh, people that you can be vulnerable with about things that are going on. That to me was something that I still I still carry with me. Because mm, everyone, everyone has very varying levels of understanding. So it's hard to find people that can really understand what you're going through, especially at a young age where everything feels a bit irrelevant or 
maybe things people can think that you're exaggerating or they're not very mindful of what you're going through. It's hard to navigate that at such a young age. But that happened. And it's a very weird hiccup at the end of a semester that went so well, at the end of um, my last month there that was going amazingly and it was just like full of life and light and parties and and summer and short dresses and everything felt so film-like. Everything was really going well. So it was so unexpected for that to happen and for that to have a repercussion on me and having... Um, physical and medical anxiety since then but I wanted to make that no (laughs) that was a part of it because that um that anxiety came up a lot since then and it came up a lot the first week that I came that I went back home after that but anxiety aside which thankfully I didn't have another panic attack since then it made me even more grateful of the friends that I had because as I said it's not very easy to find people that I can understanding that can understand what they what you're going through and the you know who I ended up telling didn't necessarily go through this or maybe they did I don't remember exactly but I had people that I could go to when that happened I had someone I could call I had people that were close by I had people that I was going to meet that evening like I'm so glad that this thing happened the second semester that happened at the end and that happened at a time where I did have people that I could go to if something serious really happened. I remember thinking that after I was like, God, okay. I was so lucky that if need be, I would have had my um, my strongholds that would have helped me out of that situation. But luckily there, were, there wasn't a need for that. Um, we continued having a moment of last goodbyes and uh, a lot of a lot of it would be parties um Obor de la Seine, as I would say. So by the river. Uh, that's one thing that was really cool because, I mean, I've seen many cities by the river since then, but there's no... You know, it's just really part of the summer mood is Obor de la Seine. And the bateau mouche and the parties that you have, like, on the boats that are on the river. It's very, it's, it's very part of the summer there. And there's so many nice and warm, fuzzy memories of going out for drinks by the Notre Dame and uh, my friend taking a video of me just like dancing around and looking around very cinematically. The last month felt very cinematic in all senses of the friendships that I made and the parties that I was going to and the goodbyes that we were having. Even the goodbyes were very heartfelt goodbyes. I remember my last day, I left with another girl that was going to the same city and I went to uh, Otto's house for lunch, for one last lunch, and it was a mix of people from my home country and people that I had met there. And the last week was a lot of goodbyes. And even the fact that you have so many people to say goodbye to is indicative of the experience that you had, in a sense. And that, to me, felt very special. And we, so we eat at this place, and then I have to leave. (laughs) I have this picture that we take at the elevator, and our eyes are all, like, so swollen (laughs) and welling up with tears. And it was so weird that that was a thing, that it was an experience that meant so much to everyone. We had all individually um, impacted each other's life so much that it felt that you were saying goodbye to friends for life. It felt that you were saying goodbye to a city that did do all of that to you, that was a part of your experience, something that you look back afterwards and you're like, at that point in my life, there's a chapter of my life in which alone, 
At the age of 20, I went to live in this place on my own. And I managed to live in Paris. It's it's a great accomplishment. To me, it felt like a great accomplishment. It was the first time I was living on my own. I was independent. It was the first, it was the first crack at that. Don't get me wrong. I didn't do it amazingly, but it was that. You had that, ex- that college experience of living grossly and... Um, buying very very cheap wine (laughs) so many house parties that's a very French thing that I'm going to miss Um, so many house parties where there's a lot of the culture of cooking together and preparing a meal together and drinking already in the kitchen and we were all poor we're living we're 19 20 year olds living in Paris so buy this disgusting two euro wine you know like the kind of red wine that leaves that sort of sediment (laughs) is stuck in your throat and everything was focused more on like um, the places that we wanted to see and uh, eating a KFC, <laughs> just a very student life. And I hadn't really had the opportunity to live that before. And so I'm so happy that that happened in the way that it happened. Um, I jumped into it with completely different expectations. What I got out of it was even more different than what I expected And still, it's something that I look back to with so much gratitude. That's the main thing that comes to mind when I think of Paris. There's just so much gratitude of having had that opportunity in the first place, having gone through it, having lived it, having had, you know, a second chance to even, like, live it more fully. And I think I'm so grateful that I got so much out of it. To me, it wasn't only, oh, I'm moving to this place, okay, bye. It was the first observations that I was starting to have of the world around me. Culturally, socially, it's where my observance side started to come out even more. Because in the States, I feel like it came out of necessity. It wasn't definitely something that was part of me before at all. But it was something that I needed to understand the reality that I was living in. Why I was having so much tension and traction with certain relationships I was forced to look within and look into how, you know, try to understand other people's point of views more to be able to have like a successful conversation and mediation. Whereas in Paris, I was living in such an exciting, vibrant city that had so much to offer that I really started to tap into an observant side where I would reflect upon the relationships that I was having, the environment that I was living in. How many communities live in this way? Uh, what do they experience? What's the experience of an expat? What's the difference between an expat coming from Europe and an expat coming from Latin America, for instance? Um, just seeing what the day-to-day life is and noticing the differences in social classes, in, um, I don't know, the, the politics and the commentaries, the style and the way of life. Seeing that Paris is not only glam and beauty and chic, that there is a lot that goes on, especially in the banlieue, that there are a lot of communities that are underserved, that there are a lot of discrimination. There was a moment where there was terrorism. There are so many things that were happening in the social fabric of what is Paris and in the identity of what is France. And it was the first, my first opportunity as really seeing it more in like an anthropological way, I guess. I, I could be summed up as that now. I started to have this more observant side of of things coming out and having this urge and interest in wanting to know and wanting to confront myself with what my views of the world were. 
also realizing that change is a good thing. One of the best things I think that I got out of my relationship with Otto in the beginning is that I thought I was very um, resistant towards change. You know, it could have been my, you know, friendship groups changing at home or people getting into relationships or uh, people speaking to me in one way and then acting in a different way. I just, I was very irritated by the hypocrisy. Whereas I, th- I don't remember there was this one conversation I remember having with him that I felt very important where he was saying, you know, it's normal, it's a part of life that we're going to be changing. And I felt also that I was contradicting myself in things that I was doing when I was there, when I thought that I had a clear idea of who I was and what I wanted out of something and what I expected out of other people. And then when I was there, where whether it be out of curiosity, out of necessity, I was acting in a way that was different from what I had perceived myself. Whereas when I was in Paris, I think... I realized that hypocrisy is a natural part of it. Like, you can't grow if you're not contradicting yourself at some point in time. And I really felt like it was the first time I was tapping into adult life in a way that I don't know if I would have been able to do back home. Not to that extent. And to me, it has all been a gift. The good parts, the bad parts, the stress that was in the beginning, it definitely blocked a lot of it, for sure. But it it all felt necessary, and the beautiful thing is that by the end of it, it all felt like it made sense. And don't get me wrong, (laughs) if I could go back in time, and if I could do the first semester specifically, if I couldn't do it differently, I would. 100%. I'm never going to be one of those people saying, I'm glad for everything that happened, the way that it happened, because I wouldn't be the same person uh, had it not been for those experiences. I think you can still learn a lesson without having to linger (laughs) on it for as long as I have. There was no need for me to be in that state of protracted block that I had created on my own. Because I was not used to living on my own and depending only on my own for so long. And I remember having that resentment also when I came back. I left with such a happy, full heart... And so happy for the experience that I had, for the friends that I had made. And Paris also felt so special to me. Like, I left it knowing that I was going to be back. And since then, except for the year of COVID, I've been back every single year. And the most indicative component to me is not that much the experience in itself, but what it meant afterwards. Because when I came back home, I felt exactly the same things that I felt when I came back from the States. I felt that I had experienced this year that had changed me so much that had had such an impact on me that had made me grow as a person and yet again it felt like I went back home and that nobody really got it on top of that when I came back this time everything had changed like all my friends groups had changed everything was it was so unsettling for so many reasons and I remember feeling that sense of feeling stuck but I remember then when I went back to Paris And every time I've gone back since, it felt like coming back to a piece of home. It was another place in the world where I had a place to stay because one of my best friends still lives there. And every time I go, I go to her house. I know immediately how to move around, how to get around in a way that I didn't know in the States because I didn't have a car. Like I didn't have any independence when I was there. I have family, but I don't have independence. I had places to go to. I had places that I knew. I had people to visit. And that's the recurrent theme every time I go back. And it's one of those things that always makes me think that I should go back. 
I've had that resentment a lot, especially the first years after I'd come back from my Erasmus thinking, I didn't do it well enough. I didn't do it well enough. I should do it differently. And thinking I needed to seek vengeance, in a sense, <laughs> for the non-experience that I had had. Whereas now, I'm, it, it just all made sense. It all had to happen. I could have definitely had less <laughs> of a discomfort, especially in the beginning. But that discomfort did help. And that discomfort, especially once I came back, helped tremendously to then coming to terms with some parts of myself back home. Since Paris, a domino effect started. In a way that doing an experience so early on, had it only been only the experience in the States, I don't think it would have come along. Because I would have said, oh, but it was something I did so young that maybe that's why it felt like such a big deal to me. And then this time it was the second time that I was doing an experience and I came back and I felt exactly the same way. I was like, okay, there's something here that I need to pay attention to. There's something that makes me feel uncomfortable in the way that I'm living back home and the person that I'm home or the way that I'm perceived back home. Something is blocking me. And Paris was the catalyst for that, for coming back and having a wonderful experience in the difficulty of it and then still going home and feeling lost and feeling a bit stuck. And every time I go back, I have that. I have that inkling of thinking, do I want to live here? Because every time I go back, I feel so happy. I can't stop smiling from ear to ear, reveling, you know, in the confidence and knowing that there is another place in the world where I know the city, where I've had an experience with it, where I have people there, I have things to do. I never get tired of visiting things. I want to go back this year. I want to go to all the museums. And also, I ha I'm very lucky because it's not a small town. It's a big city, so many people end up staying there and many people have moved back there since. Possibilities there feel like they're endless. And there's parts of me that feel so free when I'm there. And it has been freed when I was there. So I always have that. I never know. I feel like maybe the second, the second round <laughs> of places might be places that I've already lived in and lived in and lived them again. I can see myself living it at a different point in life. I definitely, I didn't manage to take advantage of so many things when I was there, also for a money issue. On the one hand, it's cheaper because when you're a student, you get to do so much stuff um, because you have discounts and the apartment was very cheap. But then at the same time, maybe when, you know, when you're older, you can access a different, different kind of life and luxury that you couldn't do at that age. I'm sure I would live it differently. I don't know. I always live with that um, whisper in my ear saying like, do you want to maybe move back? And I might. And I like that. And to me, that is indicative of what that experience was. And to me, it's such a gift that that experience, like every other experience that I've had, and this was the first time that I really, really felt it for real. Everything that I live is never only tied to that. Ah, okay, that's how it was. That's it. Bye. I always leave from it with something bigger with a lesson and it always leaves me something that makes me want to go back to it whether it's a good experience whether it's a bad experience it always leaves me with something and I will always forever be grateful for that and that's it and so maybe at the end of it as much as I said that I didn't do it right I definitely got to experience it and I got to live it in a way that felt right to me at that moment 
But I don't know. I feel, I don't know. It's it's weird what I'm feeling right now, because I remember I started this feeling very uncomfortable and feeling, oh god, I don't even know how to talk about this. And I remember prefacing this entire series saying I did not do it right. And while I stayed in the first semester, I can confirm that I definitely did not do it right. I think like so much time had passed, and I was saying, how? Why? Why did you let? So much time go by and you didn't do anything. I don't remember anything of the first semester outside of me. And now I'm looking back at the second one, which was ironically like the most jolly and full of parties and full of experiences and trips and people visiting and us going places. And I don't remember it because I just lived it without thinking too much about it. Oh. So maybe I did it right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it sounds weird that I'm coming to this realization right now that maybe at the end of it I actually did an experience right. But what does right even mean? I, I, I'm feeling very... I don't know. You need more time to look back on an experience and realizing that after all you did do it. Even if you thought that you didn't do it well enough. This is what I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling like I've been like bitching about it so long and saying that at the end of it, I didn't really do it well, I didn't really do it well. And now I'm actually looking back at it and looking back at what I've done, at what I've observed, at what sort of views on the world it opened to me, and what I got to experience, and the people that I've been blessed enough with that were part of this experience and that forced me to do things. And at the end of the day, maybe maybe it wasn't out of my own creation, but still, it happened and I did it. <laughs> I did experience it. And I did, ex I did experience a lot of it. So yeah. I guess I did it right at the end. I guess I did it. I guess I did it. Not I guess. I did it. I was still attaching expectations to it. And that's why I called it not doing it right. Whereas I did it. Like it was still an experience at the end of the day. That I chose to see as not good enough. Whereas now that I finished talking about all of it, I realized that indeed it was an experience. I had so weird. I had I've blocked this entire part of my life that I have like attached so much difficulty to for the longest time that I I think I I guess I never really had the time to look back at it and reflect upon it and think that at the end of the day I did do it. And I have a lot of memories and I have a lot of good things and I have friends there and I have the feeling that I want to go back and live there. I'm happy right now. It's, it feels good. It feels good. It feels funny and pathetic than realizing this um, like this as if it's not planned, but it really wasn't. Okay. So, yeah. Um, we're ending this on a high, apparently. Uh, as I realize at the end of part three of this officially closing Erasmus series that I did indeed have an Erasmus. <laughs> it's just, just, I don't know, <laughs> this sounds so weird. Oh, this sounds so stupid, but indeed, here we are. We've made it. Yet another series, and officially series number two of, you know, the solo part of it. Done of my experience in Paris. Uh, ça, c'était vraiment un plaisir. Oh, I like making very, very strong, uh, exaggerated accents. I find it so funny. Um, and my French one is, is spot on. I don't know how to speak French, but I know how to do the accents. Uh, to the two, three listeners that will actually get to the end of this episode, thank you. You're 
the best. And I'm going to leave it at that. I hope that in any small, tiny way, this might resonate with you or this might relate to you or this might make you think and reflect upon the experiences that you've had and the Erasmus experience maybe that you've had or whatnot. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time.